The following KQED production was produced in high definition. Don't you wish you could end this nightmare with one of these in your garage? Remember the all-electric cars, the Toyota RAV EV and the General Motors EV1? Why didn't the idea catch on? Well, we don't have an electric car yet because we don't have a battery for an electric car yet. Well, that's not exactly true. If you have $109,000, you actually can buy an all-electric sports car from a San Carlos company called Tesla. The Tesla Roadster's a little pricey, but at least it's really cheap to run. It only costs you about $4 to fully recharge the Tesla. But as we price the car lower and lower, can you imagine a $30,000 car that was 20 times cheaper to, to, to use than a gasoline car? Well, first, they need to come up with the affordable car. What's not out there today is a mass market family car for people who have to take kids or grandparents to the doctors or to school, who have to run errands, who need the trunk space, who might want to take a weekend trip, all of those things, and who want to do it at an affordable price. So that's where we're pushing the market right now. Where's the battery? I can wheel it out. Oh, yeah. When Tesla rolls out the Roadster's battery pack, I begin to understand why we don't have an electric sedan yet. The car may be sleek and futuristic, but the battery pack weighs 1,000 pounds and is expensive. So you're now looking at about $25,000 just for the battery pack. I just bought a, a Pontiac Vive, and that cost me $19,000. And so I got the whole car, not just the lead-acid battery. And the Tesla Roadster isn't powered by anything exotic. It runs on a battery pack assembled from 7,000 of the small lithium-ion batteries you find in laptop computers. So with the Tesla, again, these are smart guys. They started looking around and found that you could probably purchase some of these lithium-ion batteries that are in computers, which again are made millions a day by companies. Um, that's something they could afford. Simply put, a battery uses chemicals to generate and store electricity. Lithium-ion batteries are the batteries of choice for electric car projects today because they have high energy density, meaning they can hold a lot of energy in a small space. There was a big breakthrough uh, in, in 1992 where uh, Sony was trying to develop uh, handheld devices. They had the same energy density issues that a vehicle has, but on a smaller scale and they actually found a way to get this lithium-ion battery to work. For a lithium-ion battery to work, you need three materials. The first is the electrolyte. This liquid doesn't conduct a current, but lithium ions can move through it freely. The other two materials are conductive solids, called the anode and the cathode. They both can store large quantities of lithium. When the device powered by the battery is turned on, the circuit closes and the lithium in the anode starts to shed electrons, generating electricity. 
you're forcing the electrons on the outside circuit, which you then use for work. And you can make a light bulb go, or you can make a car go. As the lithium in the anode loses electrons, it turns into positively charged lithium ions that migrate across the electrolyte and rejoin the electrons at the cathode. Now when you charge the battery, you, all you're doing is sending everything in reverse. You're sending the electrons back using work, so you have to exert work to charge the electrodes, and you send that ion back from the cathode, back over to the anode to charge the system up. So how is it that lithium ion batteries have more energy density than the nickel metal hydride batteries that power hybrid cars like the Toyota Prius? Well, remember the electrolyte? In nickel metal hydride batteries, it's water. When the voltage going through the water reaches 1.2 volts, the water breaks down into oxygen and hydrogen. The lithium ion battery's electrolyte, on the other hand, can hold up to four volts, and the higher the voltage, the better the battery's energy density. So people have been working on materials that hold more lithium, or maybe even trying to push that voltage window a little bit. So electric cars aren't yet viable because they can't hold enough energy to compete with the range of a gas car. But what makes them so expensive? A battery is a fairly complicated little tool, and you, you might even notice that just buying uh, batteries at the grocery store. They're, they're just not cheap. And that is because it, it's, uh, a battery has lots of materials in it, lots of different components inside, and it requires many different pieces of equipment. As part of its efforts to build a lithium-ion battery cheap and powerful enough for an electric car, Lawrence Berkeley National Lab in Berkeley builds small test cells. This is the first step in our electrode making process. The process starts out with the mixing of the materials that will make up the cathode. Then this slurry is poured onto an aluminum sheet that will conduct the electrons. The sheet is thinned out, and the same is done for the anode. After that, in a clean glove box, the battery is assembled. First the cathode, then a paper separator, and a drop of electrolyte. On top of that, the anode. Then they press the whole thing together. With this many steps involved, clearly battery making needs a makeover. We need to make batteries like the paper industry runs. We need this stuff to be flying out of machines, pretty much inkjetting battery electrodes onto materials, and these things are going as fast as a publishing company. In addition to simplifying their production, researchers are also trying to figure out the best material for building the cathode. So now we're getting in position with lithium ion. There's, there's several different chemistries one can use for lithium ion. Each possible cathode chemistry has its own strengths and weaknesses, which has automakers playing the trade-offs game. They have to live long. They have to be low cost. And they can't catch on fire. Even though lithium-ion batteries are still a work in progress, both Toyota and General Motors have announced that they will start selling sedans powered by them in 2010. These won't be all electric cars, but rather plug-in hybrids, which won't need as big a battery because they also run on gasoline. 
Presently, you can only get your hands on a plug-in hybrid if you know a hacker. The Palo Alto nonprofit group CalCars has been converting Prius hybrids into plug-in hybrids for the past three years. Okay, why don't I put the board and try the board while you um, do the other one then? In 2006, Quest filmed CalCars doing one such conversion. The resulting car is outfitted with a plug and 20 common lead-acid batteries that allow it to go 10 miles on an electric charge without any gasoline. After that, it reverts to standard hybrid operation, which uses gas and electricity. The newly converted plug-in got a warm reception at the 2006 San Francisco Auto Show. So, yeah, and this is one of about 20 plug-in hybrids in the world. Really neat. Great. Excellent. Good luck with it. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. These days, it's a lot easier to get someone to convert your Prius into a plug-in hybrid. Mechanic Carolyn Cocolette learned how with CalCars in 2006. Since then, she's converted 10 Priuses for the customers of her San Francisco garage. Can you buy batteries off the shelf at some place to install in yeah, a car like Yeah, actually, the, the, the batteries that we're, we're putting in this particular car are just standard motorcycle batteries. They're inside of those little cardboard boxes. Um, they're like really kind of generic batteries, so you could get them anywhere. The 2007 Chevrolet Volt Concept. People have heard that GM is uh, gonna put out a plug-in hybrid. They're working on the Chevy Volt. Is that ready? It's not clear. They are testing different batteries, I understand. It may would like this to go 40 miles, but perhaps they'll turn out something that goes 10 miles to begin with. Battaglia estimates that the battery required to get a 40-mile electric range would cost $4,500, while the battery for a 10-mile range would be a more reasonable $1,000. That's about the same as the cost of the nickel-metal hydride battery in a Prius hybrid. CalCars argues that even a battery with a 10-mile electric range could mean big gas savings. That Volt, they're saying, we're going to sell it with a 40-mile electric-only range because that's what 80% of the Americans who drive need. If they dropped it to 30 and used a smaller battery, they'd still hit 70%. And if they dropped it to 20, they'd still hit 50%. If they were designing a 20-mile battery Volt, we think they could do it much faster and they could get the car out there. Regulators are eager to encourage this transition. In early 2008, the California Air Resources Board reduced the number of pure electric vehicles that it will require manufacturers to produce in the coming years, but increased the number of plug-in hybrids. The Air Board now mandates that the automakers produce 66,000 plug-in hybrids by 2012. None of those vehicles are being offered for sale today, zero. So that is a very fast ramp up for the industry. But the point is, it's a transition. What we're trying to do is to popularize the concept that you plug in your car when you get to work or when you come home at night. It's kind of like training wheels on a bicycle to get people used to the idea that the future is gonna be an all electric. Sign up quest, for our video free. podcast, discover or more, email and newsletter donate at, at kqed.org slash quest. quest.